And uh, while you're turning there this morning, let's pray. Jesus, we thank you for your word. God, we pray that you would open up scripture to our hearts today, that you'd help us to be changed by it. God, help us to have a real relationship with you, that we learn uh, some of these things as the psalm writers are writing them in there, God, that it would just pop out to our hearts and we could apply them to our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Um, has anybody in here ever felt like you needed to fix some things, you needed to get some things right before you could go to church or before you could pray, right? You ever ever felt that way before, uh, where you just felt like you had to get it all right with God before God would accept you? Now, in the past couple of months, I've heard that several times from people who said, you know, hey, come to church. I can't go to church. Well, why not? I've got too many things wrong with me. Like, no, that's, that's why you need to come to church, because you got stuff wrong with you. Or people saying, I, I can't pray. Why can't you pray? Well, because God's probably mad at me because I didn't do what he told me to do. Well, he's the best person that you can turn to so that you can get cleaned up, so you can get it right, right? And uh, so we we've kind of have this view of God sometimes like he's just angry at us, that he won't accept us, that we're not welcome in places when we're not perfect. And so we're starting this series called Get Real. And it's all about how to have an honest relationship and how to have honest conversations with God. And we're going to be taking a look through this book of Psalms and, and uh, how the writers were able to have a real relationship with God. And, and let me tell you, it wasn't perfect. Uh, they didn't pretend to be anything that they weren't. It was just real. They had honest conversations with God in this book of Psalms. And like I said, I love their honesty. Uh, you don't have to have it all together to follow Jesus. You can have questions. You can have fears. You can have doubts. But really what matters is how do you handle them? Do you sit there and you run away from God because, oh, God, I got fears. God, I got questions. God can't handle those. No, God's bigger than that. God can handle your fears. God can handle your doubts. He can handle your worries. He can handle your mistakes. He can handle your messes. But you can't do anything about them unless you bring them to him first. So he's not afraid of your big questions. He just wants you. He wants the raw version, unedited. Don't try to make yourself sound better than you are. That's the person that he wants. And the Psalms really lay that out. I mean, some Psalms in here, they, they speak about your fears. They speak about the Psalm writer says, God, I'm afraid. Like, I, I don't know what to do here. Uh, sometimes the Psalm writers are very angry. If you ever started reading a Psalm and you're just like, man, this doesn't sound very biblical. Uh, don't worry, they turn around at the end, but it might start off just like, I'm upset, God. Let me tell you about it, right? And they just have this, this raw, unedited conversation with God. Sometimes they're vengeful. I mean, they just start out, God, destroy all my enemies in the name of Jesus. Just tear them all down. Kill everybody, because they're all the worst, right? Again, doesn't sound very biblical, but that's where they start out uh, in some of the Psalms. Uh, some of them, they literally write in there, God, I'm complaining, I just want to submit some complaints to you today. Other times, they ask questions that they don't understand. Other times, they're just cries from the, the bottom of the writer's heart. Other times, they're joyful. I mean, they're just on cloud nine, and they just can't stop praising God. But I mean, it's this, this mix of real emotions, uh, of real people, and, and they're bringing these real conversations to God. They're not afraid to tell them about their worries. They're not afraid to tell them about the fears or the questions or the anger that they feel inside. And so church, through this series, I hope that you understand that you can be real with God. You can be real with God. God can handle your emotions. You don't have to try to 
try to come to God and pretend to be something that you're not. See, again, maybe you felt that way. Maybe you've made that excuse as, I'd, I'd pray, God, but you're going to judge me for the issues that I have in my life. And you think that you need to get things right first. Or maybe you'd say, I'd pray, God, but I, I don't have the right words to say. Like, I'm not going to sound as good as Pastor Sterling does, so why even try, God? Right? I, I need these fancy words. I need the right things. No. No. He just wants the real you. I mean, think about it this way. Who in here has ever called a customer service hotline? Go ahead, raise your hands. And you just had, it was probably a beautiful day out too, right? When you called them and everything was perfect and you were in a happy mood when you called customer service, right? No, you're upset. That's why you call customer service. And after waiting on there for an hour and uh, just getting through, you finally get through to a real person. You don't have a robot anymore. And they answer the phone and they say, hi, thank you for calling insert company's name here. How may, me, how, how may I assist you today? And then you, you know, they're really nice. And you give them your problem. And you're probably upset because you've been waiting for an hour, right? And the raw emotion comes out of you, right? You guys, or are you guys all just nice people when you get through the customer service, right? You guys are all angels, I'm sure. No, the, the raw emotion comes out of you. And then they say, I'm sorry insert, that your insert product name here isn't working. Uh, how can we help you with that today? You know, and they just go off this script. And it's like, I thought I got a real person, not a robot. Why do they keep giving me the same thing over and over again? And they don't give me the answer I really want. They just give me the answer that their company tells them to give me. Uh, one day I, I had a TV and it broke down like the day after the warranty expired. It's like the product knew that it was going to go bad at that point, right? And I look it up online first and it says the backlight of the TV's out. I'm like, okay, that sounds great and sounds cheap to fix. And uh, it wasn't. And, but I look online and it says virtually every other customer who bought this TV had the exact same issue. Backlight's out. So I call, I get through the customer service, and I know that they know, that I know, that their product's junk, right? Like they know it. And they go through and I'm like, so what's wrong with it? Well, do this and do this, do this. They're just walking me through the manual. And I was like, nope, that's not it. It's the backlight. Well, I can't tell you it's the backlight, sir, because you need a certified technician to come out and check your television to be able to tell you what the actual problem is. And I was like, yeah, but it's, it's the backlight, right? You've probably had a thousand people call in today already asking for the same problem. And it was just like this robot. And I feel like I was trying to get her like, can you just admit, like, it's not, it's not on you. Like, it's just going to make me feel better that you have a bad TV that you sold me. Like, can you just tell me? It would just make me feel better. But no, she just held the company line. She just, you know, did the robot things. And, and at times I wonder, is that the way God views us when we pray? Right? We just say the same things over again. We just say the same. We come to him with the same needs, the same problems, and, and we use the same words, and, and we do all of those things, and we don't put any emotion behind it. We just do it because that's what we've always done it. And, and God's just sitting there like, if I could just get the real person, right? If I could just, I don't want the robot company line answering machine here. I just want the real you. Not some fake version that you're trying to pretend to be. I just want the real you. Tell me what's really going on. Tell me about your hurt. Tell me about your pain. Don't give me all these canned answers. Just tell me what's going on because I love you and I care for you and I want to help you resolve your issue. Sometimes we just need to go off script and just be the real us. See, in Psalm 62, we're going to look at verse 5. We, we see that King David is the writer of this psalm. 
And if you don't know his story, uh, it's definitely one that's worth checking out. Uh, you can find it. It starts in 1 Samuel 16. We're not going to go there today, but if you've never heard about David, you've got some homework this week. Check him out. The guy lived a crazy life. Uh, he started out as kind of the runt of the litter. He was the youngest brother, and so he got shepherd duty, and, and so he went out there. He learned a lot of lessons as a shepherd. He became a, an accomplished musician with all the time he had on his hands. He, he learned how to fight off predators. One day, eventually, he came to a time where he was just trusting in God, and he stood up against a giant who was holding the whole Israelite army captive. And, and God helped David defeat Goliath, the giant. Uh, eventually, uh, he, he won many battles, and God anointed him as king over Israel, and he did incredible things. He did a lot of really bad decisions too, and, and, uh, but he did a lot of good things, and God actually called him. He was a man after God's own heart. It's King David. He also wrote and he wrote one of these psalms, and this is one of the psalms that he wrote in Psalm 62, verse 5. It says this, Find rest, O my soul, in God alone. My hope comes from him. He alone is my rock and my salvation. He is my fortress. I will not be shaken. My salvation and my honor depend on God. He is my mighty rock, my refuge. Trust in him at all times. O people, pour out your hearts to him, for God is our refuge. Now, in this psalm, this is the one we're going to be looking at today. We'll look at several other ones throughout the, uh, throughout the series. But in this psalm, David's main request, his main prayer is this. I need rest. I need rest. God, give me rest. How many of you would raise your hand this morning and say, I could use some rest in my life? Right? A lot of us. A lot of us could use rest. Maybe you're not getting any sleep and you could use just some physical rest. Uh, maybe work is wearing you out and uh, your body comes home from work every day, but your mind doesn't, right? And, and you just need some, some rest. Maybe your, your body is physically tired from decades of hard work and you're just beat up and you need rest. Maybe you're tired of going to the mailbox and seeing another bill and you just want some rest from, from the onslaught of the financial trouble that you're in. Maybe you're tired and you need some rest from, you know, the family problems or relational issues that you're fighting. And it's like this daily basis and you try to avoid them and you try to stay away from them. It doesn't matter how long you're away from these relationships. The moment you come back to them, that tension's still there and you need rest. Maybe you're tired of all the projects that you have to do uh, around the house or at work. And it feels like no matter how many things you check off, that list just seems to grow and to grow and to grow. And you need rest. Some of you today, you're just tired of being tired, right? And, and you want rest. And that's, that's where David is here. Uh, now, we don't know exactly what David's going through. We don't know what part of his life that he's in during this psalm. But he writes this, that he's tired and he needs rest. God, give me rest. So he goes and he has this honest conversation with God, right? God, I'm tired. God, I, I need rest. And he says this, find rest, O my soul. Find rest, O oh my soul. Now, like I said, ultimately God is talking, or David is talking to God. But in this portion of his prayer, in the midst of his prayer, David begins talking to himself. Anyone here ever talk to yourself? Okay, good, good. Then I'm not alone. Doesn't make you crazy, just makes you normal. All right, maybe you talk to yourself in the shower, perfectly acceptable. You look at yourself in the mirror, you say a few words, perfectly acceptable, right? Talk to yourself in your car alone, you're good. Talk to yourself 
in front of other people, maybe a little crazy. Um, but that's okay. We're, we're all a little, little crazy. But I don't think this makes David crazy that he's saying, find rest, oh my soul. It's like he's talking to himself. Oh my soul, find rest. Like you know it, but now you need to do it. And he's talking to himself. Maybe he's looking in the mirror. He, he's looking at his reflection and he's just saying, find rest somewhere deep inside of me. Oh my soul, you know that, right? And, and he's talking to himself. It doesn't show that he's crazy, but it shows his desperation level. And he's desperate. He, he needs that rest. Because as humans, we don't tend to change until we get a little desperate, right? We like to just not change. You've seen that check engine light on your car for a couple months now, and you know you should take it in. But it's not until you get a little desperate and the car breaks down on the side of the road that you decide, now it's time, right? Right? We, we don't do it until we get desperate. You know your diet's bad. You know that you should change some things. But it's not until you land up or wind up in the doctor's office that you realize, okay, now I'm going to change things, right? We, we don't like to change until we get a little desperate. And David is to the point where all the alarms are going off. He's tired. Uh, he, the warning lights are flashing, and he's getting desperate. And so he starts talking to himself, find rest, oh, my soul. I don't know what he's facing. Maybe it's enemies that are coming at him. Maybe it's family issues. Maybe he's just not getting sleep. But he realizes he's in a desperate place and he needs to get rest. See, we tend to talk to ourselves like this when we know it up here, but we don't know it down here. Right? See, David understood in his mind, I need to get rest. But that hadn't overflowed to his heart yet where he understood this is something I need to prioritize above all else. I need to make this happen. See, most of us understand that we need rest, that our bodies need rest, that our minds need rest, that we're not designed to function for 24 hours in one day. We're not designed to function seven days a week, but, but we're supposed to have a, a day off. You see, Exodus chapter 20 is where we find the Ten Commandments that God gave to the Israelites. Many of you know the Ten Commandments if you spend any time in church, but I want to read you just one of the Ten Commandments in uh, Exodus 20, verse 8. This is a commandment God gave us. It says this, Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, neither you nor your son or daughter, nor your male or female servant, nor your animals, nor any foreigner residing in your towns. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that is in them. But he rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed, or blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Like I said, if you've gone to church for any length of time, even if you haven't, you probably know the Ten Commandments, right? Don't kill, don't steal, don't lie, don't commit adultery, don't put any other gods before God. You know, all these things, honor your father and mother. There's lots of great ones out there. And we know these, these verses and we try our best to keep them. And when we break these commandments and we think inside of us, we, we feel guilty, right? You kill somebody, you feel guilty about it, right? Hopefully nobody's had to do that in here. Uh, you lie. That first time, man, you feel guilty. You steal, you feel guilty. You put something in your life and you finally recognize that something's taking the place of God in your life. You start to feel guilty. But what's interesting is this number four one, honor the Sabbath day. 
that at times we view this one as optional, right? All the other ones, like, yeah, no, don't murder, don't steal, don't lie. But honor the Sabbath day, I mean, that's, yeah, that's kind of optional. And instead of feeling guilty about it, man, in our culture, sometimes we celebrate it. We wear it as a badge of honor. We say, man, I worked over 100 hours last week. I've been putting in, I, I worked for the last 28 days, right, until my company said I couldn't work anymore, right? And, and we wear this as this badge of honor of look how hard that I worked. And it's almost like we, we put this little phrase at the end uh, of the commandment. You know, we say, remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy when convenient. We think if I work seven days, it won't hurt anybody. If I need to work seven days a week uh, to earn a living, to support my family, then that's what, I, that's what I need to do. So we do that and we disobey what God commanded us to do. And then at the same time, we walk around and we wonder, why am I so tired? Why do I have so much anxiety in my life? You know, why, why do I never have enough to pay the bills to, to make ends meet? Well, maybe it's because we're not following what God told us to do, right? Uh, I mean, this isn't a knock on hard work. Um, let me say that. This isn't a, we need to work hard. God told us to work. I mean, God set the example. He worked hard in six days. He created the universe in six days. Try working harder than that in a six-day period. But that's what God did. But then on the seventh day, even though he didn't need to, I mean, he's God. But as an example to us, he rested and said, this is what you need to do. It's so important that I'm even keeping it on this week. And I'm showing you what it looks like. And he gives us this commandment so that that seventh day, that, that rest, he, he modeled it, he commanded it. And we need to follow his example. So again, David, David knew these commandments. Uh, this was before his time that, that Moses was given these Ten Commandments. And so he knows this. He knows that he's supposed to rest. Again, he knows it up here. He knows that's commandment number four. Got to rest. But he's having a hard time following his own advice. So I love the honesty of his prayer. I mean, this song, this, this psalm, it's like he's saying, get it together, David. He doesn't have it all together at this point. But he's trying to give it together. But that doesn't stop him from coming before God and letting him know, God, I don't have it all together. Church, it's okay to come before God and tell him, I don't have it all together. And God, I need your help. Don't be afraid of doing that. Don't be afraid to have an honest conversation with God. He can handle it. He can handle it together. And so uh, he's praying. It's an honest prayer. It's a real prayer. He says, I don't have it all figured out. I need to make rest a priority. And he says, find rest, oh, my soul, in God alone, in God alone. Now, notice he didn't say here, find rest, oh, my soul, in eight uninterrupted hours of sleep every night. Wouldn't that be nice, right? He, he didn't say that. He, he didn't say that. He, he didn't say, find rest, oh, my soul, in, in a long weekend where I can disconnect from the world and from society and turn my phone off and pretend that I'm off the grid. He didn't, he didn't say that. He, he didn't say, find rest, oh, my soul, in a two-week tropical vacation on a beach. Yeah, amen to that one. Uh, he, he didn't say that. He said, find rest, oh, my soul, in God alone. See, sleep, days off, and vacations, they're all good things. They're all healthy habits to practice, but they are not the source of where rest comes from. I think they're a result, but they're not the source. See, you can get lots of sleep and still be tired. Uh, you can disconnect from society over the weekend, and you can come back to work on Monday just as miserable as you left it. 
right? Uh, you can go on a vacation. I mean, the vacation of your dreams, and you can come back more worn out than when you left. Anybody taken a vacation like that before? It's like, I need a vacation for my vacation. See, rest, ultimately, it comes from God. It comes from God. And David knew where true rest from. He said, find rest, O oh my soul, in God alone. And then he goes and he, he, he kind of shows how he finds rest. And he starts calling these things out. He says, God, you're my hope. God, you're my hope. I mean, everything that I hope for, all of my, my dreams, you are what I put my hope in, God. You're where my hope is. My hope's not in my stuff. My hope's not in my kingdom. My hope's not in my relationships. My hope needs to be in God alone. That's where my hope comes from. And when my hope is there, that's when I can find rest. And he goes on and says, you're my rock. God, you're my rock. When everything else shakes around me, you don't shake. Right? When my world feels like it's crumbling down, you stay strong. You're, you're my rock. It's like the parable of the wise and foolish builders that Jesus talks about, where he says the foolish builder builds his house on the sand, but the wise builder builds his house on the rock, right? And, and so that's what David's saying again, like, God, you're my rock. You're my foundation. So even when everything else changes around me, you don't change. God's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He will always be the same. He doesn't change as you're my rock. He also goes on to say, God, you're my salvation, you're my salvation. We, we try to find salvation in a lot of stuff. Maybe you've tried to found, find salvation in, in doing good things. Maybe you've tried to find salvation in other religions. Uh, maybe you've tried to found, find salvation in, in uh, just following the right path and being in the right places or just coming to church or doing those things. But that's not where salvation is found. Salvation is found in God alone. In Jesus alone. That's where salvation is found because Jesus came and he died for our sins and he is the only way to heaven. He's the only way. He's the only way. Today, maybe you can experience that salvation. He keeps going. He says, God, you're my fortress. You're my fortress. God, you're that place that I run to when I feel the enemy is attacking right? And I go in there and I slam that door shut. You're my fortress, that, that the enemy can't get to me when I run to you. You're my fortress. I won't be shaken. I won't be shaken. I like that. I won't be shaken because you're my fortress. You're my rock. And because I stand on you, I won't be shaken even when the rest of the world is. Uh, he goes on and he says, you're my honor. You're my honor. We like to put we, like, we think we've got honor because we're good at stuff or because we've got a title. But no, David says, you're my honor. It's not about, I mean, David was a rich guy, right? David had a lot of stuff. He had a lot of wealth. He had a big kingdom. He could have found honor in all the servants that he had and in all the wealth and the vast riches that he had. He could have found honor in the wisdom that he had. But instead, he says, no, God, you are my honor. You are my honor. And finally, he says, you're my refuge. You're that place I go to when all the storms in life are coming at me. God, you're my refuge. See, rest comes from being dependent on God. That's where true rest comes from. It doesn't come because you follow some self-help book that tells you you need to do this and your schedule needs to do that. Again, you can do all those things just right. But if we don't rest in God, we're not going to find true rest. It comes from being dependent on God. Our youngest, James, he's six weeks old today. And uh, man, that's been a fun, not restful six, six weeks, right? He's up all the time, but I mean, we love it. And just this week, he started like 
getting a little bit more interactive. You know, he's kicking his legs, and we can get him to smile now. I mean, it's not every time, but sometimes we get that big, like, I'm really happy baby smile. And I mean, it's just so much fun. We love this guy so much, right? And, but the thing is, James is totally dependent on us. He's totally dependent. I mean, he can't cook for himself. He can't feed himself. He can't go to the bathroom on his own. He can't walk. He can't talk. I mean, come on, grow up already, right? No, he, he's totally dependent on us. He's totally dependent on us. But what's, what's interesting, you know, one of his favorite things in the world is just he, he eats, you know, and he's happy, he's nice and full, and then he just sleeps right on Angie, right? And you look over there, and he's got his mouth open, drool starting to come out, cheek is pressed up. You know, just like he's got the sleep lines. And I mean, the kid doesn't have a care in the world. I mean, that is, that is like a picture of true rest right there. You know what I'm talking about? I mean, he doesn't have to worry about deadlines. He doesn't have to worry about anything. He, he's not afraid. He, he's not, he's just resting. And he's being totally dependent on his mom. And that's kind of the picture that, that we have with Christ, that we have with God. If you want true rest, it comes in the arms of God. I mean, everything can be going on around you, just wrong, and, and everything can be flying at you, but we go to God, and, and He's our fortress. He's our refuge. He, he's our rock. And when he, He's got you, you don't need to worry about all that other stuff. God's got it. God's got it. And, and so we can even learn a lesson from a six-week-old six, six baby, how to be dependent on God. How to be dependent on God. That's when we find rest. You know, it's Father's Day today. Happy Father's Day to all the fathers out there. What a privilege that we have uh, to be dads, uh, to get to raise our children. But one thing as dads have noticed is we don't like being dependent on people. We're, we're pretty independent as fathers, right? We're the ones who have to open the pickle jars, right? We're the ones who've got to fix that thing. We're not going to hire somebody, like, I'm going to get down there, I'm going to fix it myself. I'm not going to rely on some stranger to come into my house. You know, we're, we're going to make it happen. We like to be independent. Everybody's looking to us. And so it's hard, uh, I think, as dads, as, as men, to be dependent on God. Uh, there's a song that uh, has spoken a lot to me. It's by Sanctus Real. Maybe you've heard it on the radio. It's called Lead Me. And uh, the song starts off, and it it's like a, from a dad's perspective, and he's, he's saying, man, my wife looks to me, and, and uh, you know, I've got a lot of responsibilities to take care of my wife. In fact, I, I've got the, the lyrics up here to the chorus, and he says, it's like my wife is telling me, lead me with strong hands. Stand up when I can't. Don't leave me hungry for love, chasing dreams, but what about us? Show us you're willing to fight, that I'm still the love of your life. I know we call this our home, but I still feel alone. And it's this dad trying to take care of this wife. And in the second verse, it goes into, I look at my kids. My kids need me. They need me to help them. They, they need me to guide them. They need me to teach them. And it sings that same, same chorus, right? To, to lead me with strong hands to do all of these things. And, and, as, and as dads, we're expected to do a lot. We're expected to be independent. We're expected to take care of our wives. We're expected to take care of our children. Right? We need to step up. We're the, we're the men of the household. But who's going to take care of us? Right? And in the third verse, this guy, this dad, turns to God. 
And he says the, the same prayer to God. God, lead me. God, God, lead me. Lead me with strong hands. God, help me to stand up when I can't. God, don't leave me hungry. Don't leave me chasing dreams. God, show me that you're willing to fight for me. Show me that, that you still love me. Show me that I'm not alone. See, all this time we think we've got to be strong, but the, the strongest way we can be is being dependent on God. Being dependent on God is not a sign of weakness. It's a sign of strength. It's a sign of strength. So we need to turn to God. We need to, to trust in Him and say, God, I need you. See, verse 8, it really sums up how we're supposed to find rest. It says this, trust in God at all times. O people, pour out your hearts to Him. It's kind of like David takes what he's learned and he gives this advice to everybody else. Guys, trust in God at all times. Pour out your hearts to him. Right? So how do you find rest in God? This is how you do it. You trust God at all times. Not just some of the times, but all times. You trust him when things are going good. Right? When everything's going right, we choose, God, I'm going to trust you today. I'm going to trust you with everything that I have. God, I'm thankful for what you've given me. I'm thankful for your, for your blessings. And God, I want to go where you tell me to go. And we trust God with, with what we have. We trust him also in the bad times. Man, when the bills aren't being met, when, you know, the, the kids aren't listening to you the way that you want them to. Uh, we, we trust him when we're not getting our way, when maybe we even lose our job or we're hours cut back at work. And we, we trust him in the bad times. And not only that, it says that we need to pour out our heart to him. In other words, when you're going through those bad times, when you're going through those good times, have real conversations with God. Have real conversations with God. Tell him what you're really going through. Don't just tell God what you think he wants to hear from you. Give God the real you. Give him your real problems. Because rest comes out of trust. Rest comes out of dependence. Worship team, would you come? Let me ask you today, what's your hope in? What's your hope in? Is your hope in a bank account? What happens when that bank account isn't worth what it used to be? When gas prices go up to $5, right? <laughs> Where's your hope in? Is it in a politician? What happens when that politician doesn't get elected? What, what happens when they don't vote the way you want them to? What happens? What's your hope in? What's your hope in? Is your hope in your abilities today? Right? And, and what happens when you lose that ability? When you, you know, your whole job, your whole world is working with your hands and, and, and you get injured. What, what happens when everything breaks? When everything doesn't go as planned? What's your hope in? Is your hope in God today? Where does your honor come from? Does it come from that title? Does it come from your accomplishments? Where's your honor coming from? Who's your refuge today? Who do you turn to when things get difficult? Do you run to your family? Do you run to your best friend? Or do you run to God? See, I love how David made this whole verse personal. He could have said, God, there's a lot to hope in in you. God, you're, you're a good rock. God, you're a fortress. God, you're, you're a refuge God, honor comes from you, but he doesn't say that. He makes it personal. He says, God, you're my hope. You're my rock. You're, you're my salvation. You're my fortress. You're, you're my refuge. Can you say that in your life today? Can you say that God is your rock, that God's your salvation, 
that, that God is your fortress? Or are you just watching that in other people's lives? Make it personal today. Make, make it yours today. See, you'll never experience rest when you're trying to live your life independently from God. You can't rest when you're sitting there worried about your finances, you're worried about your reputation, you're worried about tomorrow. Man, God's got tomorrow. Just rest in Him. So I want to close today in a little bit of a different way. I want to ask you this question is, where do you need to be more dependent on God? Where do you need to be more dependent on God? And, and in your pews today, uh, you'll see in all the holders, there's prayer cards, there's connect cards, there's um, next steps cards, there's all those. So I want you just to grab any of those cards in your pew. Go ahead, you can pass them out to the people around you. Grab a pen, and I just want you to use the back side of that card today. It's a nice blank white sheet for you. So just make sure everybody has one in your, in your row. And uh, what we're going to do, we're going we're gonna to close with this song. Uh, we, we sang it earlier. It's called Still. And it comes, basically, the first verse comes right out of Psalm 62. Find rest, my soul, in Christ alone. And during this song, I want you to ponder that question. Where do you need to be more dependent on God? Where do you need to trust God more? You know, maybe it's your finances. Maybe you hold every penny tight. And you say, God, I need every one of these for myself. Even though God's already, he's told us in his word, hey, you need to bring the tithe. You need to give 10% back to me. Right? And you need to just trust him more. Maybe, maybe you need to say, God, I, I need to trust you in that area. I've been holding on and I still can't make ends meet. Maybe I need to give to you so that you can bless me. Maybe you need to trust God in your family. And you just need to be more dependent on him. You know, this world is so messed up these days, you want to hold tight to your kids, and that's a good thing, right? And so you tell them you can't do this, and you can't do this, and you can't go to those places, because, man, you don't want them to end up with the wrong crowd, with the wrong friends, with the wrong people, in the wrong places. You want to keep them on the straight and narrow. But there's some times where God's just telling, hey, you got to trust me. You got to trust me. You can't hold on to them forever. You got to trust that I've got them, that I'm going to take care of them, even when you're not there. So maybe it's some family things you got to let go. Maybe it's time. Maybe you hold on to that time tightly. And you're working so hard that you, you can't even find time to give to God during the day. And you need to take that time and say, you know what? No, I need to take this half an hour and say, God, I'm going to get in your word. I'm going to spend time in prayer. I'm going to do these things because, God, I need you today. And I trust you with my time. Or maybe I trust you with, with a day off. God, it feels like I've got to work seven days a week to, to pay the bills or to, to, to meet all the clients. But God, your word says that I need a Sabbath. I need to, to take that day off. So maybe you need to trust him in that. I don't know what it, whether it's finances, family, time. It could be anything. What do you need to trust in God more today? So during this song, I want you just to just be praying about that. Maybe God's already speaking to something in your heart that you just know. Like, okay, this is wrong. I need to change this. I need to give this to God. I want you just to write that down on the back side of that card. On the white space, just write down, God, I need to trust you with my family. Or maybe something specifically. God, I need to take that one day off a week. I'm going to give that to you. Or I need to spend, you know, 30 minutes a day sitting at your feet. Whatever it might be. So I want you just to write that on the card during that song. And, and once you've got that on there, as just a physical sign of obedience, I want you to, to stand up and come and just place your card just right here on the altar. Place it right on the steps. 
Now you can stay here and you can spend some more time at the altar. You can pray about it. You can go back to your seat. That's fine too. But I want you to just physically respond. Sometimes when we respond physically, God breaks some things spiritually in our lives. And, and, it, and it, that makes that commitment stick. So that's what I want to encourage you to do today. As we sing the song, write down that thing God's putting on your heart. And then just come to this altar and lay it down. And again, you can spend time at this altar. You can go back to your seat. Uh, I'm going to invite, we're going to have some of the prayer team up here. If you've never given your life to Jesus and today you're just like, I know where I need to be dependent on God for my salvation. And if that's you today and you say, I want to give my life to Christ, uh, I've got some friends over here who would love to pray with you, who'd love to talk with you, and uh, just let you know it's not difficult. You just have an honest conversation with God. God, I'm a sinner. I need a Savior. I believe you died and you rose again. God, would you save me today? And so let's just pray, and we're going to sing, and I encourage you to respond. Jesus, we thank you. God, help us to be dependent on you. God, we are a society and a culture who just keeps pushing and keeps pushing and keeps trying to advance and advance. But God, help us to find rest in you. Help us to find rest in you. Help us to listen and obey your word today. God, we need you, Jesus. Speak to our hearts. Change us in your name. Amen. Amen. Worship team, would you lead us? And as you write those down, please come and lay them at the altar today.
in the midst of all the craziness of this world, the craziness of our work and family schedules. May we take a moment today, as we just sang, to be still. Recognize you. God, you're the king. You're in control. You see our busyness. Lord, we give it to you today. We lay it, we lay it at this altar. We lay it at your feet. God, I pray that you would just break some things that have been strongholds in people's lives for years and for years and decades and decades. Today, that you would just bring change, that you would bring true rest. God, as we find dependence on you, as we trust in you today, God, would you change us? Would you change us? Holy Spirit, would you move powerfully today as we respond to you? In Jesus' name, amen. Would you stand with me? Thank you for responding today. Thank you for responding. And I pray that that, that was meaningful to you that God was doing something in your life, that you follow through with those things, that you say, God, I need to trust this in you. You make a decision here, but it's a, that decision every day to say, no, I'm going to take that time every day. God, I'm going to give you this every day. I'm going to give it to you tomorrow, not just on Sunday. And trust in him. As always, these altars are open. If, uh, if you'd like to stick around and just make that, solidify that in your life, I encourage you to do so. But let me pray for you before you go. Jesus, Thank you for your church. Thank you for your people. God, I pray that you would bless every person here today, every person who's joining us online. God, that you would just help them to go and have a restful week. They'd find their rest in you. God, and as they, as they trust in you, that you'd give them sleep, that you'd, you'd give them, God, that, that day off, that you'd give them space to, to take a vacation, that you'd give them all those things, God. But God, may they find their rest in you. You are the source. Bless these people. Bless your church today. God, may you go with them. God, may, their, may your face shine upon them. Bless your church. Help us to be the church, not just inside these four walls, but everywhere we go, in our homes, in vehicles, in, in stores, at work, at school. God, may you be our king. May we be your people everywhere we go. May we shine your light. In Jesus' name, amen. Have a blessed week, church.